Hi everybody, Dan Duva here, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. Final days of the regular season on SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. Already postseason bound, the Knights jockey for positioning in the Western Conference standings, and our special guest is Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman. Gary Lawless extracts at least 31 thoughts from the noted Hockey Night in Canada insider, covering the playoff hunt, and how Elliot goes about his job reporting on the NHL. The crew talks about the regular season's most significant moments, which Knights have exceeded expectations, plus a look around the league with Razor Fold. In the quiz, we ask what would a Knights first round win do for the organization? What would a first round loss do to the story of the season? It's hashtag SLGND. Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave. Presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. All right, I am some guy named Dave. Thanks very much, Dan Duva. Great to have you with us. The Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave podcast coming to you from the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of your Vegas Golden Knights. Closing in on the end of the regular season as we sit here today. And uh, quite the crew out here. Quite, it's always um, get a lot of different sights to behold around this area Shane I know you're a big fan this oh yeah been, this has been extra special here today to say the least so Dave Gosher <laughs> along with Shane Knighty Gary Lawless Dan Duva we yap on the radio and TV usually and we also yap on this podcast so great to have you with us here in the final few uh, days final few games of the regular season a week to go in the regular year the Golden Knights in a great spot they've clinched a playoff spot and uh, closing in on clinching the Pacific Division as well, Shane. And um, it really has been, as we kind of look at the regular season as as a whole, just remarkable for this team there. I think their level of consistency for the most part, they've had some dips in their play, but, you know, they haven't gone on one of those long spirals of losing like some other teams we've seen um, recently. What are some of the moments that, as you look at it, jump out to you that are most memorable as we close in on the, on the end of the regular year? There, there's so many when you look at the season they've had, but you know, and I think we'd all be in agreement that the, the home opener truly held something special with uh, everything that was there with uh, the tragedy on one October. And uh, but even you go to the very first game of the year, their ability to win, the confidence they built, but that that run on home early on just built, you know, a connection with the community with this team and. Uh, that, that sticks out for me. I can go to the, the Tampa game right before Christmas. Uh, you know, Shea Theodore scoring was, what, four seconds left? or 2.7. 2.7. 2.3. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> I'm glad smokes. somebody's got it right. Uh, that, know what's going on? That game, I think the, them clinching playoffs. Uh, and I think tonight's going to be a memorable one uh, as they get set for their last regular season game. Lawman, what jumps out to you? They've been... Um there's been a lot for all of us. What comes to the forefront of your mind for this team so far? It kind of going to separate it for me into two categories: the uh, uh, the emotional um, moments, and obviously uh, uh, the home opener was that. And uh, I think tonight is going to be uh, is going to be a very special evening as well. But if you go to hockey, I, I guess I'll always fall back to that moment where I kind of it dawned on me that wow, this is this isn't uh, this isn't a mirage. This is, this is kind of real. And the team went into, was the father's trip. They went into Nashville and uh, they won in the seventh round of the shootout on the Friday night. James Neal's dad yelled out of the bus as we were pulling out of, out of Nashville, out of the rink. Thanks for the two points, Nashville. And, um, and then we, we got to Dallas and Max Legacy had uh, kind of been the band-aid that helped, that helped this team together when they were down to their, their fifth goalie. Um, and Mark Andre Fleury he was on the trip. He was he was taking skates. You could tell that he was ready to go. And this was going to be Legacy's last game. Dallas uh, was was you know at that point in time they were considered a power in the West, and they beat them. Then they beat them pretty pretty handily. And after the game, you guys all know this moment. You know when you're taking the elevator down after a game. And last night, for instance. Doug Armstrong and Al McKinnis from the St. Louis Blues, they got out of the elevator and you just look at your shoes. You don't want to make eye contact with someone from the other side right after a loss for them because 
they're competitors and it's not a great moment. Well, we got on the elevator and it was just Dave Pryor and George McPhee and myself. And uh, no one said anything. And to me, it was kind of like, that was gonna be one of those moments where you could be relaxed and say, why didn't Max play great or whatever? And everyone was kind of silent and kept that moment to themselves. And I, it, it struck to me that they knew that this was something uh, um, that was real. And, and, this, and the, uh, admitting that out loud was something that I don't think anyone really wanted to do. And, but it dawned on me at that moment, this is, uh, I'm gonna remember that moment for a long time because that's when you, I thought this was, a, this was a legit hockey team. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, you, you look at, obviously I think we would all just say flat out the, the home opener. I mean, that, that goes without saying that would be on, on all of our lists. Shane mentioned Shea Theodore scoring that late goal against Tampa Bay where, you know, it felt like the roof was gonna come off T-Mobile. It was so loud in that building. Um, I think about kind of the stretch they went through where they beat Tampa Bay that night on Theodore's goal. And then the next game they played, the final game before Christmas, they shut out the Washington Capitals, and that was Marc-Andre Fleury's fi uh, first shutout as a member of the Golden Knights. And, you know, they were on that run. They had beaten Pittsburgh earlier in the month. Um, so I think of some of those, those wins against some teams that I think we all would say are some of the best in the league and their ability to beat some of those teams, um, especially some of those teams from the East. Um, you know, the win over Nashville, the first win in the new year was a big one, I thought, but just another showing more ability to beat some good teams. So I think all of those would, would jump out. And the, other, the other thing I would think of, and it wasn't related to a win, but Marc-Andre Fleury going back to Pittsburgh. And just the emotion of that, obviously the results weren't what they were looking for, but you know, I think we talked about it on TV, Shane. It, it, it must be an unbelievable feeling as an athlete to play in a place for as long as he did, have the success he did there, leave it, and then go back the first time and really see how much you mean to that place. And I, I just thought the emotion of it that night was was phenomenal for him and and well deserved. Dan, what uh, what sticks out in your mind so far? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a, a slightly different angle on it, given that those moments that you covered, I, I would agree with. In the last several weeks since the trade deadline, you think about, okay, uh, are the Knights going to hold on to um, the, the mantle that they've built for themselves? Uh, you know, in December, they had a terrific December. At one point, they got ahead of the Lightning for the best record in the league. In terms of the standings, they've slipped back a little bit. Nashville has taken the reins of the Western Conference. And you're wondering, well, how far might the Knights slip, given that there have been additional injuries, Riley Smith having been absent? Um, and, you know, you can go down the list. But... The acquisitions, Ryan Reeves, Tomas Tatar, that Ryan Reeves had a big-time hit against the Calgary Flames that springboarded a Knights win against Calgary that, you know, Calgary was a team needed to beat, and the Knights did not have a very good start to that game. Another moment was Tomas Tatar, game-winning goal in New Jersey that began that road trip where the Knights had lost two at home, and then they go to New Jersey. Taylor Hawley's got his hot streak going and then that the Knights won there in Newark to halt a Devils hot run and that it was Tatar at the center of it. I think that for Reeves and Tatar to have contributions uh, at this stage of the season showed that those moves at the deadline by George McPhee were significant and that this club was not going to endure any significant slump going into the final days of the season. Well, it's, it's amazing their consistency as we talked about. Um, as we sit here right now, they have a chance to wrap up the division title tonight. All they need is a point over their final four games to wrap it up. We kind of touched on this last night on television, Shane. The, they moved in the first place, a tie for first, December the 23rd with LA. They have not left that spot for the rest of the season. They've been able to maintain it. You know, as you said, they've had some stretches where they haven't played their best, but their consistency has really been the thing to me that is, has surprised, I don't know if it's, I guess it has surprised me the most, but you mentioned this before, they get off to a great start. They're eight and one through nine games and for the most part, since then, they've never looked back. Hey, you got to credit the coaches for a lot of that. The mentality they put, and we've heard it a lot this year, one game at a time. We don't look back. We don't look forward. We focus on the task at hand. And they've done a really good job at you know, branding that into the players' minds. And, and I think that's breeded consistency for this team. And uh, I've said it many times, what's the difference between a good player and a great player? Well, consistency. You can see a lot of good players. We see that in a lung. You can see their potential. You can see their skill. But their ability to do that on a consistent, consistent basis takes them from just being, you know, a player in the National Hockey League to a great player. And that's the same thing with teams. 
you can find a way to be consistent and mental toughness, you're going to have adversity. I think we saw that with the Golden Knights earlier with the goaltending situation. I think they've really combined to have that mental toughness, that consistency, which is so important, not only individually, but as a team. And they've carried it all year long. And you just mentioned they're one point away from grabbing the division title in their inaugural season. It's great to clinch playoffs. It was amazing. But this, to me, is even, you know, another level. Well, it's been it's been off the charts all year, Gary. You know, tonight they're going to hand out some some awards, a final regular season home game, uh, the seventh player award, player that uh, exceeds all expectations. Who's your winner of that? What do you think is is exceeded any reasonable expectations before the season? Do you think? Well, it has to be William Carlson, doesn't it? Uh, I and, think so. But the the problem with that <laughs> is is that it's like it's one, but there are there's a whole bunch of uh, one Bs. Because I'll be honest, I didn't expect Jonathan Marcheseau to compete the way he does on a nightly basis or to provide the kind of leadership that he has. I didn't think Riley Smith was as complete a player and was going to have the top end that he has. I didn't think Colin Miller had the bite that is in his game. And I I don't want to take everybody away because we all have to talk, but it's just... Carlson had six goals last year. He, you know, he said it best when Marcheseau said to him in Columbus, you know, hey, so is there going to be a tribute video for you tonight? And Carlson was like, I don't think so. Marcheseau said, why? He goes, I had six goals last year. There's nothing to show. Could that show was, uh, that was this, well, this guy's got a tribute video going on right, right now for himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, like that, but that was that moment was, it, you know, he's got 41 goals. Yeah, he's he's in third place for the Rocket Richard. He could he could get hot, and catch Ovechkin. Yeah. like that's uh, oh, oh, that that guy doesn't think so. Um, but uh, we're, we're live and we're out, yeah. we're outside on we're, Fremont Street. We're recording the podcast. You get the we'll, deal. You'll you'll we'll upload later on. Yeah. But it is actually projected live onto yeah. Fremont Street. And uh, if you haven't been here, it is, uh, well, this is kind of like a, a, a human circus yeah. <laughs> without the big top. It's interesting to say the least. <laughs> All types here. Yes. Seventh so, player for Carlson, you. Carlson, I'll go Carlson. Carlson. Sheriff. Well, that, that's probably gonna be, but you know, you can even say, you know, I, I could go right through the lineup of guys that have really exceeded it for me. And Eric Howell has got 29 goals. He's gonna pause. Possibly hit 30. You know, Shipashev was the centerman that was supposed to be the number one guy. We know what happened there. He didn't want to do this, didn't want to do that. So whatever, he left. And then you got William Carlson, who's not only proven number one. Eric Carlson's, or uh, Eric Halla's. Sorry, Eric Carlson. No, that didn't happen. No, they tried. Uh, Eric Halla became a solid number two or one B, if you want to call it. Uh, I could talk about Alex Tuck, his first year, what he's been doing. Um, I think there's a, a level we've all seen when if he can find consistency we were talking about earlier Derek England at 35 I did not know he skated that well that he you know has put up over 20 points five goals this year um, they're, they're just so many guys to me that have exceeded it but the, the one guy and Gary put out all the points it's, it's William Carlson you know the guys too Dan that so if, if if you looked at this team I guess before the year and said okay guys that have been in the league a long time. And Derek Anglin, as Shane said, James Neal, proven 25 goal guy every year, he got his 25th last night. You feel like he could fall out of bed and score 25 every season. It seems like he does. Yeah. But basically, you had him and Marc Andre Fleury, right? Those are the two guys, I'm talking about long careers in the NHL, that you look at what they've done and you say, yeah, you know what? That's basically what I expected from them. I mean, Fleury was able to overcome injury early in the year and missed a couple of months. Everybody else, you can make an argument. And what about David Perron, who's had, you know, he's yeah. he's shown me to be a more, I don't know, maybe a more competitive and complete player than I thought he was at points in his career. So, Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt. I mean, here's a guy that couldn't get in the lineup in Washington, got into the playoffs last year. They didn't make any effort to protect him. Yeah. And the Golden Knights said thank you very much and took him. So, I mean, outside of Flurry and Neal, you can make an argument that, not everybody, but 95% of the teams exceeded expectations. Yeah, I'll throw out a name, and you guys have covered most of them, but I'll give you my sense of one guy who we probably don't talk about enough in this regard, who has cemented himself as clearly 
a top pair defenseman, and that's Braden McNabb. Braden oh, yeah. McNabb is plus 25. I saw him in the American League with Rochester. I know he'd been with the Kings the last couple of years. I mean, you kind of put aside the fact that he scored four goals, which is a career high. Forget the offense, but the hits, the blocks, just when you watch him play, his reach, um, his positioning. I think that we get caught up, of course, in the points, right? It's, it's sexy to talk about the goals and the points and everything else. But the one guy at the big, remember the beginning of the season, McNabb was not there. It was Spiza and Schmidt. That was the, the, the pair that you thought was going to be the number one unit. And McNabb, remember, he signed a contract extension, too. He's someone, to me, that has stepped into such a reliable role. You don't even think about McNabb because he is so consistently responsible. The ability for him to to play pretty hard minutes. You know, yeah. play, with, play with Schmidt. I'd like to hear Shane... Uh, talk about like. McNabb because uh, uh, it, it's he plays against the toughest players and it's easy to pick out the one or two points in a game where some guy will get around him on the outside. Someone who's got, you know, Nathan McKinnon, it's someone like that with the kind of speed and you'll see that on Twitter. Some of the geniuses will be like, oh, McNabb just got turnstiled. But when you look at the body of his game and all of the little things he does. Well, Shane, I'll stop. I want you to describe it, please. Oh, no, I think you're exactly right. But, you know, he has the ability, and you don't see many big hits in the game anymore because you can put yourself out of position with the speed. He's, he's had numerous big hits because his timing's right, his positioning, and that all starts with gapping up. And I think Ryan McGill's done a great job with the whole core of defense this year. Uh, that should definitely be mentioned. You mentioned Colin Miller, Shea Theodore, who I think is... Boy, the potential there. We're starting to see it more and Theodore's more. Theodore's really ability, playing well right now. His ability to jump up. But uh, it all starts with gaps. So I think McNabb skates well. I think he's physical. He's got the long reach. He's really smart with his stick, that long stick. But I think maybe most of all that surprised me is the ability to move the puck. And I'm not tired. He doesn't need to dingle dangle all around the ice. But he can get the puck. He can read the forecheck. He can make the play. And let's not forget, I, I know... Again, why has he been good? He's been more consistent this year. He's been more in that role, but he did play with Drew Doughty for a stretch in Los Angeles. So he had a pretty good partner there, played some minutes. It wasn't for as long term as what he's had here. So he's he, he's learned a bit, but he's really kind of come and put it all together this season. And uh, yeah, I've been very impressed with his ability because he, he is that, you look at him, you think he's that stay-at-home defenseman, but he's made some great plays in his ability to move the puck, be patient, read the rush, read the forecheck and find the open man. I think he, and I asked Ryan McGill about this, he makes a three-foot pass all the time. Like, he, yeah. he gets it out of danger with just a little short pass that then allows someone else, to, usually his partner or, or the centerman, to make that next breakout pass that gets him going. But he wins the battle and gets the puck and then shoves it along just nicely so that someone else can kickstart it. Well, he plays with Nate Schmidt, who, who's so mobile on the ice. And, and you watch on cross-corner dump-ins, you know, McNabb, because he gaps up so much, it's tough to turn and go when you can't hold up a guy. It's great that he has a guy and the ability, like someone like Nate Schmidt, that can cut behind him, get in first on the puck, and they make little plays. I think they've done a real good job reading off one another. Uh, it's been a very good pairing, and it's going to be one that's very important here heading into the playoffs. The Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Day podcast, coming to you from the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're out here amongst the people on Fremont Street in downtown Vegas as the Golden Knights close in on clinching the Pacific Division title in their first season in the NHL. As you look down the road, guys, what, is, um, what does this team need? Are we talking, you know, we could be talking over the next... Hopefully two months or further than that. What do you look well, at there? I, you know, I, I think, first of all, you have to kind of look at... This question was asked of me last week. Is this a one-hit wonder or does this, can this team repeat? Well, if you go to CapGeek and you look at, at or Cap Friendly and you look at, at who's around, you know, James Neal, David Perron, and Lucas Pisa are unrestricted free agents. And the rest of the, of the group, actually Ryan Reeves is a UFA as well, but the rest of the group is either locked up for a couple more years or they're restricted free agents still under team control. And we just talked about all the surprise guys. Well, if you go Schmidt, Theodore, Miller, Englund, and McNabb, those five guys right off the bat, and then you go up front and you have Carlson, Smith, Marcheseau, Tatar, Halla, all these guys, 
uh, Eakin, Belmar, Carrier, all of them, Nosik, all of them around for a number of more years. There's a core there that, you know, and then slowly they're going to backfill with the, guy, the kids that they draft. And I would imagine George McPhee will try and be, be quite busy in free agency this summer, depending on what he does with his own UFAs. Uh, I don't think it is a one-hit wonder, but that is sort of, if you have that core, what do you want to add to, to really move this team forward? That one big piece, if you could, Shane, what would it be? Speed. A big piece. Speed. I'd add more speed. Uh, you know, look at you look at the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, Nashville. You play with speed in this league, and it starts, you know, even on the bat. And then, you know, I look at adding another solid D-man. Someone's saying Oilers. Yeah. Someone's I think saying- they're see. I think their season's over, but thanks anyways. Yeah, the Oilers Uh, Oilers are going. They're going golfing. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I think up front you you, you add add this team. You cannot have enough speed in today's game. Sure, you'd like a little bit more physicality to get in in there. I think you can add another piece on the back end, Uh, maybe a big name there or someone. But but this isn't, I believe, Gary. I think the, the, the right core is there for this team to be good for a long time. And you've got to be smart in what you bring into this team. We said that coming in the trade deadline. It's a tight group in there, and adding the right piece uh, is very crucial. I'll put it to the two Ds, Dan and Dave. Which Carlson? John Carlson or Eric Carlson? If you had, if you had the money and you had the opportunity. Now, Carlson obviously is going to be a trade, and then you've got to deal with him uh, what, what happens down down the stretch, but John Carlson, a pending UFA, or is John Tavares catch your attention? Well, if I said to you, Carlson leads all defensemen in points, who would you think of right away? John. He does. This year, John. I would think of Eric, usually, but not this year, right? He's had an I right. To me, I, I just thought I I was very enticed by the thought of having, having somebody like an Eric Carlson. Who, who wouldn't be, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think to me, look, here's the other part of it, too, Gary. And So my answer would be Eric Carlson just because he's a generational player. Nobody else plays like he does, really. And you that, gotta pay him probably $12 million. Right. One thing they have is a ton of cap space. A ton of cap space right now. But you gotta pay him $12 million for seven I years. I, and, well, and some of this is going to be, look, is James Neal gonna stay? I don't know. Yeah. Is David Perron gonna stay? And if they can't stay, you're gonna need to fill spots in your top six by going out in either via trade or free agency, grabbing somebody. So. To me, me, I look at Eric Carlson and say, if you could bring him in, because they're a team that already has the ability to go on the attack, and his ability to kick that, kickstart that from the back end is is pretty exceptional. As a a play-by-play guy, too many Carlsons, (laughs) very hard to keep up with. So you got, you know, too many, too many. It's hard to do on the radio. To me, yes, it's enticing when you talk about Eric Carlson. John Carlson has upped his game this year. You wonder, can he do it again? Um, I, I, again, I'm with Dave in terms of the dollars. It's enticing when you see right now there's cap space, but that's how some other teams have gotten into trouble because at the time they had cap space, so they used it. And then a few years later, oh, no, we don't have any cap space. We've got to trade these high-priced players so we can get draft picks. So it might be enticing in the, the near future, but really how it trickles down the line to me is, is the concern. To me, the... And, I've, and I, this is one one theme that I've really watched unfold here this year. I think it's better to have 12 B pluses or A minuses. I agree. And then to have one A plus plus plus. Totally agree. And a bunch of Cs. I like John Carlson. You go I think with John? he fits. I think he fits what they're doing here. Sheriff, which Carlson? Yeah, if there was one, just because, and I agree with that, I just think $12 million is too much for, you know, that's putting everything into one player yeah. for a long period what if he gets of hurt? time. God forbid, and, right? And who has a history? Uh, you know, I know yep. he's, he's still going to be dynamic and great for years to come, but there is there is a little concern with his health. And but here, here, Let me ask you this, though, Shane, because you're in the player's position, and I come to you and say, okay, Ottawa's going to give you $12 million over eight years. But you're gonna get you're gonna pay fifty six percent. Absolutely, it's a huge factor. You come to Vegas, we'll give you a ten million, but you're only gonna pay thirty three percent. Well, now you're talking about something different. Yeah, and as a player, well, I know what I'm doing, and I played in Ottawa. I'm coming here, (laughs) (laughs) and you loved Ottawa. (laughs) Yeah, can can we talk that? I'll take ten million. I'm coming. I'll I'll stick around. Can you put up seventy five points? 
Uh, Not anymore. Well, what league are we talking this about? This one. The, nor- the, the Northern Hockey League. Yeah. The Northern Hockey League. Yeah, the goalie for the Blackhawks plays well, Men's yeah, League. Scott Foster. Play the Great story. So, exactly. So, well, the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Day podcast coming to you from the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Golden Knights here on Fremont Street in downtown. Vegas. That's a great question. So, Scott Foster went in and played seven minutes. If tomorrow night, any team in the NHL, you had to play seven minutes, could you, could you figure your way out there? No. You couldn't? You have to, you have to be a goalie. You can't just put anybody. It would you have to be someone who's You couldn't slam it the off position. the glass, no. it has to be punch somebody in the head and get five minutes and kill five would, of the minutes that way? If you're going to play way. the position of goalie, you have to have played that at some point in your life. No, not at in that. No, level. no. Could you go out and play defense? For, for, could you, could you, could you fake your way for defense. seven minutes? Oh, could I? Oh, yeah. yeah, I could go out and do it. You could oh, for yeah. seven minutes? You could fake it? Seven games? Seven game? No, let's just. I thought you said seven. Minutes. I know. I'm just trying to trying to stretch <laughs> it. No, I'll, I'll say when seven would you, minutes. When would you get exposed? At what point would you get exposed? Well, minute eight. At seven oh one. Well, seven minutes over a whole game. How many? You know, not seven minutes consecutively. No, you can spread no, no. seven minutes out over the course of a game. Get it in. Get it deep. Uh, the reason I asked him is because I think he could do it. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, a reminder, Golden Knights fans, don't fight for parking when you head into a Golden Knights game. Purchase your parking in advance through the Park Mobile app and score the perfect spot at the preferred parking garages of the Vegas Golden Knights. Visit lasvegas.parkmobile.com to reserve your parking today. Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva with you. The Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND. Closing in on the end of the regular season here for the Golden Knights and what a first season it has been. The trade deadline passed well, roughly a month ago. Um, who do you look at right now, Sheriff, as the team that who lost the most, do you think, at the deadline? Who was the biggest, who was the biggest loser? Isn't it tough to tell right now? You need to see this thing play out a little bit more. Um, you know, mm-hmm. people... I know who the biggest loser is. Well, is it the Buffalo Sabres? Did they not no. get enough? No, it's the New York Islanders. I told you that at the well, deadline. Well, yeah, I guess. Because they, they, they didn't do anything. You're right. We, I, I, so we already discussed this. Well, so we're, you're, you're we're recycling. You're I recycling. No, I, I wanted you to admit I was right because when I said it that oh, so day, that no one told me I was you wrong. You can tell who puts the questions in here. You're That's free rare. to do it anytime you like. You can fake it for seven minutes. Now how about winners then? Yes, winners. Yeah, who's the, who are the winners? Uh, I think uh, well, San Jose with Evander Kane. He came, since he's yeah. come in, look what they've done. Whether. Uh, Whatever has been said about uh, his off-ice uh, antics, it hasn't really mattered because on ice he has been focused and he has been a big part of uh, a great run they've been on. And I think both I think both the Winnipeg Jets and the St. Louis Blues won in that one. Paul Stashney went in. Uh, Patrick Laine went on a crazy tear playing on a line with him and Nikola Ehlers. Uh, Stashney really solidified their center ice. Uh, and then I think the St. Louis Blues, they get a first-round pick. They get a real good prospect they just signed in Eric Foley. Another pick later on. And now they're back in a playoff position. So uh, They traded Shattenkirk and stayed in the playoffs. A year yep. later, they trade Statsny and they stick around. D- Doug Armstrong, uh, not afraid to... Uh, and you remember, was it Braden Shen who chirped Armstrong at the, at the time when they traded yeah. uh, when yeah. they traded Stancy? Like, what are you doing? We're in a, we're in a fight here, and it was all maybe it's kind of like a slap in the face from Armstrong to the players. Like, they were playing terrible yeah, at the yeah. time. They traded you're, them because right? they thought they were done. They you're were not good enough. Very so poorly. you have, right. you haven't earned me to keep you together or for me to go and add something. So it's on you. Yeah, they I like Doug Armstrong. They ended up losing seven in a row. Their goaltending was terrible. Right, Jake Allen was brutal in the month of February. Yeah. He's been much better in March. Yeah, but One they, they traded Stastny because they figured they were done. Right, that's why they made the move and they got something good in return. And now all of a sudden they put together before last night six wins in a row. Did we? Did, I don't know if I did this question, but uh, let's talk about it now. If they play St. Louis, how does Vegas match up against the Blues? Well, we saw last night it was more of a grind game. I think they have to find an ability to use their speed a little bit more. Um, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, St. Louis, the way they're playing right now, they're defending well. There was a lot of board play. There was not, it was a fight for every inch of ice. It really was. It was a hard, hard-nosed game. And, you know, I thought it was a great hockey game. I think, I think they match up well. I think if they utilize their team speed. And, and again, until you get, you know, Riley Smith yeah, back such in a big there, factor. David Perron back in, uh, then you can really have a better assessment. If they're healthy, I like the matchup. I think, uh, you know, uh, just if you put... Mark Andre Fleury in net last night. 
I think it's a 4-1 game. Yep. Yeah. Well, 3-1 because you don't get to overtime. Yeah. 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 A couple of goals that you'd love to see Malcolm Subban have. And I guess the other part is for, for St. Louis, too, uh, Lawman, is their left side of their defense took another hit last night. Schmaltz left the game. They lost Bolmeister and Gunnarsson to season-ending injuries. Now, will you season-ending? Like, will they be back for the playoffs? I don't or think they're, so. they're gone. I think they're no, done. It's done. I mean, Gunnarsson's an ACL. Yeah, yeah it's done. six right. months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, they've been uh, lucky that Vince Dunn's come in and been fantastic. I was yeah, afraid I, 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 when I looked at St. Louis a little while ago. They kind of. I'm not too sure. Uh, last night, I thought Vegas matched the physicality. Uh, they matched the compete for for the most part, and they're the, they're going to get a lot faster when Riley Smith comes That was back. a good point. They match the physicality because St. Louis is a team that wants to grind you down. They want to overpower. And I thought they, the Golden Knights really handled it well. You got, and of course, you got to contain that one line of Shen Schwartz and Tarasenko. Make sure they stay very quiet. And I'll add to that, guys, just the idea that there were a grand total of three penalties in the game, despite all of that, right? Which leads you to well feel officiated. Like it, there, there you go. And, and, Playoff hockey is often like that, where you're not going to see too many penalties called. Vegas had scored a shorthanded goal, and they scored a three-on-three goal. James Neal last night looked like he was starting to find his spots again. Because for, for a couple of games, the oh, passes yeah. would third come... Third of the year. I'd go to Arizona game in the third period, he looked like... Yeah, yeah. okay, sure. Yeah, because he did have a couple chances there. But it, yeah. it's he would they had passed the puck to him, and he, you know, he... Would, wouldn't be quite in position to get a good shot off or he'd get it off the heel of his stick or whatever. Last night, they get, they were getting to him, and he was getting the shots off flush. And that looked to me like he's finding his spots again. And, and I, 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 listen, th- this is a business, and James Neal knows that better than anybody else. He knows how to read a calendar. If he gets hot right now, he's got an opportunity to turn his to, to, to up his value to all 31 teams in the National Hockey League. There's a big part of Nashville going to the cup final last year. Uh, you know, and the interesting thing to me, and we, Shane and I were kind of talking a little bit after the game last night, let's play the game that everyone's healthy, right? That they're going to get Perron back, they're going to get Smith back, Carrier might at some point be able to play. The question would be, who doesn't play? Yeah. You know, and I guess that's going to kind of take care of itself because it seems like some, you know, someone always gets banged yeah. up. But yeah. in the ideal world, at some point, in the not-too-distant future, as in a week and a half from now, when the playoffs start, hopefully they're going to have everybody healthy and ready to go. Lucas Spies is a guy I'd like to see back healthy, well, too, just to too, solidify, right? you know, that six. You need 8D, and Marilyn Hunt have played very well, but I'd like to see Spies back and, and playing like he was at the beginning of the year. Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast, coming to you here from the D Hotel, downtown Vegas, the official... Hotel of your Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to go to the quiz, Dan Doovey. Are you ready to? Sure, uh, you want to do the quiz? Are you ready to toke that up for us here? <laughs> sure, we, we okay. can start off with the quiz. Uh, it's been a while, but Gary still has the honors as we dial it way back. Uh, so, Gary, we'll, we'll kick off the first question with you. And the first question in today's quiz is, what would a first-round win do for the Golden Knights organization? Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of a, a, a two-pronged thing because... If they win, it means they didn't lose. And it, what would happen to them if they lost? And I'll save that because I think it's a future question. But uh, um, that's a big part of the answer here. I think no one here has experienced a playoff, playoff hockey. And the, people are going to be driving home in their cars after the team has won or lost. And they're going to feel something way different than what they felt all season long. A win, and they're going to be like, I'm not going to work tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm going home and I'm, I'm cracking open a, that bottle of bubbly that I've been saving. And after a loss, they're gonna be. I got. I'm gonna hide under the covers all day tomorrow. Not going to work either I'm way. I'm not going to work like. either way. Like, yeah. yeah, the productivity is about to go down. Uh, CEOs of uh, of Las Vegas. <laughs> so that emotion that is about to be unveiled in Las Vegas is, I think, going to be incredible. And if you can win a playoff series. And they can really get a taste of, man, we're going one round deeper, and now we're getting, we're getting closer to the ultimate in madness. Uh, I, I just think it really cements and trenches a National Hockey League hockey in Las Vegas. Well, there's nothing like playoffs, and to, uh, what does it do? What would the first round win do? It would put them in the second round. <laughs> We'll so be back not, with more that, No, but, but that's actually accurate. Hey, Gary's right. There's, that, Someone's that's got a hair appointment at 2 o'clock. Well, no, some of yeah. us got to work tonight. 
Uh, Entertaining the Rocky Mountain. That region, said, yeah. uh, I remember our, the first series I won was the Ottawa. We were seventh seed and we beat uh, Philadelphia Flyers at five games. It was the first ever NHL playoff round I won, and it was. It was a spe- there was a, a unique, special emotion feeling to playoffs, to, to winning that first round. And you know, every round's tough, but that first one is the hardest because it's there. It's the initial one. You, you don't go. You don't. You don't move on if you don't get past the first round. So uh, that's kind of step one of man, you know, you got to win 16 games. But there was a real special, uh, there, there's a special feeling in these fans. Tell you what, I can't wait to see T-Mobile when, uh, when playoffs hit. You know, there's a lot that first round too, Dan. That's where you see a lot of your upsets. It usually can be in round one. Um, I got to be honest with you, to me, it would just be another chapter in this already unbelievable story. You know, they've, and you can make an argument, anything from this point on is gravy for this team. You know, nobody, nobody on earth expected this. You know, the you hope they would be good. I think you looked at their roster, and Gerard Gallant's kind of talk, touched on this, that the players they had access to, they were going to have a good team. There's a difference between good and closing in on 50 wins in a season like they are. So for them, I think it's it would be, it's, it's all going to be gravy to me. I, I do think, though, it would be, to see them win, I think... It takes, here's what it takes out of the mix. Next year, if they get in the playoffs and they don't win a round this year, the question is going to be, can they win a round? Yeah. Well, it'd be great to get that out of the way in their first year as an organization. So, you know, to me, that's the, and a lot of it's going to hinge on who the matchup is. You know, as, as we sit here right now, it's Anaheim. Before they played last night's game against the Blues, it was the Blues. So to me, it's going to just add another chapter to the story, but it also would take that element out for next year. Can they win a playoff series? I, I forgot one thing, Dan. Yeah. The, the biggest thing, actually, now that I think about it, what it does for the organization is it gives those core players, gives this team experience. Playoff experience, what it takes to win a round. And that it, you don't get that in the regular season. You only get that in the postseason. Gosher wins round one. Several good points there. Oh, I like the, the I gravy. I thought did. I thought Knighty came in right there, and well, that was that was the winning argument. Well, that was icing on the cake. Sheriff had already moved on, and Dave You're expanded the, the conversation. The There's no, we so, don't really have. You. It's not classic debate. I'm in charge. Yeah, I pick, I and yeah. Dave wins. That's I a problem. I'll add one more point, though. You got to fix that. I'll I add gave one. up on winning this after. You got to fix that. Yeah. I'll add one more point, and this is more looking at the bigger picture, is if the Golden Knights win a first round more of the country will get to see the Golden Knights in the second round. In other words, there's a, there's a quote-unquote East Coast bias. Some of it's the time zone, the networks, and all that sort of stuff. If they play in the second round, the folks who are more casual hockey fans who maybe haven't been watching too closely this year are going to get to see the Golden Knights a lot more. All right, so then the other side of the coin here in question number two is what would a first-round loss do to the story this year, Dave? Well, it would be, um, it would be a disappointment, obviously, I think, Dan, but... Um, I'll go back to what I just said. They have exceeded everyone's expectations already. But now, here's the thing, though. Now that the bar's been raised where it is, I think it's okay to get greedy. I think that's a good thing. Um, I would say this, and, you know, Shane played pro 15 years, and he was on a team that won it, and a team that almost, you know, went, went deep in Ottawa, went to a conference final. The opportunity to really win can be very rare. You know, you get 16 teams that make the playoffs every year. Of those 16 teams, realistically, how many do you think really have a chance to win a Stanley Cup? Four? I'll give you maybe six. All 16, you know, like if, let's say who get, whoever, you know, like, you think New Jersey has a realistic chance to win? Probably not, right? I mean, Colorado could be done right now anyways because Eric Johnson and Sammy Barlamov are done for the year. But of the 16 teams that get in, how many can really win it? I don't know. Realistically, four or six. So uh, it would be a disappointment if they get bounced in the first round, for sure, because they've raised the expectations so high. But I think the fact they've done all this already, they've already exceeded everyone's expectations by leaps and bounds, you know, where they were coming into this season. Yeah, the story's already been magical. The story's been made. It's, it's been incredible. Uh, not only for what they've done right from the beginning to clinching a playoff to assuming they clinch and win a division title in your first season stories there he's disappointing to lose but to me uh what is what you said what did first round loss do to the story 
Sure, maybe it diminishes it a tiny bit just because they were so successful. Uh, but outside of that, I think it's just been incredible right now, and it's a story, and there's records that have been broken that'll never be touched. Gary? Well, at first, uh, I would take umbrage with Dave's point that it's only four teams. Like, I would think this year there's as many as 11 teams, like seven out of the West. Are, think so? I, I would think, I don't see anyone in the West not really having a chance to advance, and if they did, being right there for all the money. And I like Toronto, Tampa, and Boston in the East. I, I, you know, 10 teams, I'd say, would be a, a conservative estimate this year. Now, the ability to step out of a moment and, and say, like, imagine if you got divorced, you're married for 10 years, and the marriage was great, and the last year, you know, somebody made a mistake, things went sour. I don't like where this is going. No, this is, <laughs> got dark very quick. Are, are, are you able to step back at the end and say, hey, Mar- this was a great marriage, it ended too early, but all in all, it was a great marriage? No. You, what you remember is... The last year. That yeah. lion cheating person yep. has, you know, ru- ruined this, and this is terrible, and, and that's, what you, that's what you walk away with. It's going to be hard for the fans of the Golden Knights who have enjoyed so much success to step back and go, you know what, man, it would have been great to win a little more, but boy, was this a fantastic ride. Right. We'll find out if they have the ability to, to, to make, if we'll have the ability. Hopefully not. Yeah, you I know? disagree with that. With okay. everything that went on in the month of October, how can people not look back? This eventually. is a unique situation. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah, you might be right. Now, here, here's the thing. Now, Gary's going to be mad at me because Dave is going to win that round oh, as well. Now, here's the thing, Gary. You should come up with questions before. that uh, are less opinion formulated because if I agree with Dave, I'm always going to pick Dave. <laughs> if I disagree with you, sorry. You like me yeah. the most. Here, here's the thing. You need to have the ability to look at the construction of the argument and not just... <laughs> Not just the opinion. I think you're doing a hell You've of a job. You've won more of these quiz questions than anybody else, by uh, Well, I, I actually, I've won them all, and for some <laughs> reason, you, you deem it necessary to pass the roses around. Here, here's the thing, and I'll give you... How can you not win them when you make the questions? That's right. That's right. You, I, I, as I have said a million times, you are more than free to take over the role. It's okay, all yours. There you go. All right, Jeff, so, it's all yours. I'll I'm tell busy. you something. As, growing up uh, and talk baseball, since baseball is underway here, I grew up a Mets fan. And I remember the 1999 season where the Mets lost in the NLCS against the Braves. The following year, they got further and lost to the Yankees in the World Series. I have fonder memories of the year in 99 where they didn't get as far. They did not have as much success because the season was just that much more fun. And the great thing about sports, win or lose, you start over clean and fresh the following year. Unlike a marriage where you don't get to start but over clean and fresh every year. And you lose a lot of Excellent money. point. <laughs> but you're a seasoned fan. You'd be, this is I a, was 14 years old at the time. This is a new fan base with a new experience. I understand that. But to me, there is a certain sense if perhaps they do not win a playoff round this year. I think that for a lot of folks, it would increase the appetite for the following season. Wow, what a great season. We've got more to build towards, more to work for. In other words, if you go and you win it all or you have too much success too quickly, it might not be appreciated in the proper context. So I don't think it would be a horrible, earth-shattering thing that would demoralize the fan base if they got knocked out in the first round. I think you could still appreciate it, and looking towards the next season, you can say how wonderful the first season was and how terrific it can still be with room to grow. So, Dave wins. Remember, Thank you. Uh, question number two. All right. Number three. <clears throat> Ludicrous. <laughs> Again, stare from Gary the wrote man. these questions. Do you see this team as a one-hit wonder, or is there a potential for this team to be competitive We've, we've discussed this already. We all win. No, they've yeah. set themselves up. Everybody, be... Ghost already won the, uh, the quiz. Yeah, so, yeah, so, Ghost, congratulations. Let's get to yeah. Razor Fold Thank so you. Shane can get us tips frosted. Well, before that, how about if we... Uh... Are you jealous because you don't have to frost? <laughs> <laughs> before Razor Fold, though, Gary, we have um, our guest of the week oh, yeah. standing Great. by, and it's brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company, and it's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including world-class golf, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. Check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. We are happy to be joined this week. Our guest of the day on the hashtag SLGND podcast, Gary had a chance to catch up with one of the best in the business, Elliot Friedman. Well, we now welcome Elliot Friedman 
of Sportsnet CBC Hockey Night in Canada to the SLGND podcast live from the Fremont stage in Las Vegas in the shadows of the D Hotel, the proud sponsors of our podcast. Elliot, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Gary. Always good to be in uh, the true Las Vegas. Well, you haven't been to Vegas yet this season, have you? What's that? You haven't been to one of our games yet. We, you need to get out here. No, I have not. Not, <laughs> not yet. I have not been able to come yet because, unfortunately, I, I haven't been able to do it. But I'm hoping I'll be there for some during the playoffs. And a few of my buddies and I have already begun to make plans for next year. Uh, once the schedule comes out, we're going to make plans to come out for a game. Well, it is amazing. It has become the number one trip in the National Hockey League. If you're going to go see your team play somewhere else, yep. you know, it used to be maybe Florida or, you know, uh, maybe in Arizona. But uh, and Nashville obviously is, uh, is uh, a popular destination. But the number one destination has become, it immediately has become Vegas. It is, uh, it is the greatest sports, hospitality, entertainment district in the world, and there's a hockey game built right into it. It's pretty incredible. Well, you know what? Like, we were joking that if Vegas and Nashville play in the playoffs, Gary, like, I feel badly for the media who's going to have to cover it. Like, there's no chance they're going to survive. And if that series goes seven games, um, I fear for their ability to cover all of them. Um, It's going to be, it would be, that would be something else. They have these little uh, human body shops that you can go and check into, Elliot, where they uh, they give you a B12 sh- uh, shot and slap an IV into your arm and uh, rehydrate you in uh, in about 24 hours. It's a pretty cool thing. Those would be out the door. People would be lined up out the door. Broadcasters first, and then the media, because we, only because we have to wake up earlier. The broadcasters. It's weird. It's like... When you're a member of the media now, it's just like being in high school. And the broadcasters are, they're the football team and the, and the cheerleaders. They're the, the cool folks. And then the media, the, uh, the, the, the great unwashed, the print guys and girls are, uh, we're, the, we're the kids that hung out in the parking lot and smoked. It's quite strange. You uh, you can use that one. If I do that, I'm going to have people coming up my house with torches. So you won't disagree, with me, you you won't disagree with me, though, will you? <laughs> I didn't say you were wrong, did I? <laughs> All right, great. Well, so for uh, our great listeners of uh, of our podcast, uh, Elliot Friedman obviously is uh, one of the top insiders in the game, and actually an old friend of mine. We uh, we worked together on the on the CFL beat a long time ago, and then uh, have uh, exchanged notes on the NHL beat for some time. So uh, I've known Elliot since uh, not quite since his days as a Cub reporter at. Uh, at Fan 590 in uh, in Toronto, where he broke in. But uh, I, actually, I knew you when you were at the score, so uh, it's been a long yeah. time. But, Elliot, you know what? I think it'd be really fascinating for our listeners to find out what what a day in the life of Elliot Friedman insider is like. Uh, you know, from rolling out, uh, how do you do, what is your job and how do you do your job? Well, for example, today is Saturday, so it's, uh, it, it's a game day for Hockey Night in Canada. And, to be perfectly honest, Gary, normally I wouldn't agree to do something like this on Saturday, but, you know, like you said, our relationship goes back a long time, so I was glad to help out. Um, you know, today the Maple Leafs are at home, they're playing the Jets, so yeah, by in the morning you go to the morning skate, which starts at... Usually what I'll do is I try to spend a little bit of time with my family in the morning. I'll wake up and I'll take a quick drive with... Uh, my wife and son, my son's six, he likes to drive around, so we'll drive around probably for half an hour, and we'll go get a coffee or something like that, and now I'll come home and get ready. You're at the morning skate by 10.30. Um, you know, the Maple Leafs played last night, so it was an optional, but you can still go to see who's on the ice and talk to a couple of players and the coach after it's over. The Jets are on the ice at 11.30, same deal. You go in, They were off yesterday, so the full team's practicing today. You go and chat with them and the coach after. And then after that, you know, you come right to work. And, um, you know, I, the, the, our studios are not far from the Air Canada Centre where the Leafs play. So we're here all day. And, you know, you're making calls. And you're keeping up to date with what's going on. And, um, you know, today for, it's, it's, we usually have a production meeting at, at 4.30 Eastern time. Today we're also going to be interviewing the head coach of the Jets, Paul Maurice, 
then the show's on air at 6.30, and we're here till 1 in the morning when it's done. And, you, you know, you're watching games, you're texting people, you're asking what's going on. During the week, it's a bit more fluid. Um, but in this job, the one thing that, you know, we say is that you can't, you can't be half pregnant. You're in or you're out. And uh, from basically Labor Day until July 1st, which is the Canadian holiday, uh, you know, Gary, we're on the clock almost 24-7. And the one thing Rogers is great about it in the summer, July and August, they say to us, don't do anything. But other than that, you're basically on the clock. Now, you know, it, it, I always find it fascinating uh, when you're watching a game and, uh, you know, when I was on the CFL beat, if I was in your shoes, so if something happened, you know, it, during a game, you could contact the general manager and say, hey, what happened there? Or if there was a call, you could contact, you know, the, the commissioner or the, the VP of officiating and say, what happened there? How important is it yep. uh, for you to have those phone lines open when you're, do, when you're doing a TV show? When you're coming back at the first intermission, and Ron McLean is going to want to know why did they make that call or what happened to that player. You have to have that information. Talk a little bit about that process. Well, I think some, in some ways, Gary, that's actually a little bit easier because you can say to people, look, this just happened in the game. We're coming on during the intermission, and we're going to talk about this. Can you give us an explanation? And I think most people understand that. They get the fact that you're going to be going on the air and that you have to say something about it. So it actually gives them incentive to explain quickly, okay, this is what we were doing. I think sometimes when it's an injury, people prefer to wait. They don't like to guess on injuries. They might just say, looks good, looks not so good. But I think like, for example, um, I remember years ago, um, you know, when I was first starting out, something happened and we were kind of guessing, you know, maybe they saw this or maybe they saw that. And somebody texted me right after or called me right after went on the air and said, don't guess, call me next time. And now with texting, obviously, it's a lot quicker. You know, I'll just say, look, guys, you know, we got to be on the air in three minutes. You know, what are we looking at here? And a lot of times people will call you and say, this is what was going through our minds. So actually, I, I think, Gary, that the understanding that they better get their story out there, whether it's a controversial call or something like that, people get that. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada joins the SLGND podcast. Elliot, Bob McKenzie, your colleague, uh, calls the Vegas Golden Knights the greatest story in his career in terms of the National Hockey League. And the, the, most, uh, the most surprising and unexpected story that has unfolded. Where do you uh, come in on Vegas and what has happened here? Well, I think it's, I don't know if I would say it's the greatest story in my lifetime of covering hockey, although I will concede Bob's covered more than I have. Um, I, it's, it's by far the best story of the season by a mile. Um, it, is, it is the kind of feel-good story that every league wishes it could have. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people who look at this. You know, the one thing that it's really done as much as anything else Gary, is that I think there are a lot of people really nervous about going into Vegas, not only from the NHL, but other leagues. Like, would this work? Like, do we, like, is this something that can really happen? And now it's made people realize, boy, we had nothing to worry about, and maybe we should have been more aggressive. Like, I, I know because there were people who told me, there were owners in the NHL who kind of were like, I don't know if this is going to work, but there's an owner here who really wants to do it. He's got the money, so we're going to do it. And it's worked beyond the wildest extreme that anybody could have expected. And you know what? Like, I think it's a great showcase for the league. You know, just going out there last year for the expansion draft and seeing the excitement, um, the way the team responded on opening night after what your community went through there, and then the way they have continually played hard. And you know what? I think the other thing, too, is you got a lot of guys on that team who are good guys, like from Marc-Andre Fleury to Derek Englund on down. And I think that's the thing you have to do is you have to convince a community that you want this group of players to represent you in the community. And they have. I, I think it's a huge win. There's nothing that gets a bigger smile on the commissioner's face than talking about Vegas. 
And why not? It's one of the most successful things that's happened. He's been the commissioner now for 25 years. It's arguably the most successful thing that's happened in his career. Now, regardless of who Vegas plays in the in the playoffs, are they an underdog? Yeah. Are they an underdog no matter what? You know what? I, I don't know. You can't say they're an underdog no matter what because of the standings. Like I mean, they they've, they've got a, I mean, they've got the inside track to win their division. Although San Jose's making a late run, but I do think Gary, there will be people who say, "Okay, that was nice, but now it's here. Here's where it really matters." Like depending on the matchup you get, like if you guys get L.A. or Anaheim or whoever it might end up being, uh, I do think there will be people who will pick the other team. Like, especially if it's an L.A. or an Anaheim, I could see people saying, oh, yeah, like, that's, they're the playoff experience. They're the veterans. They're the hardened guys. They're the favorite. I could definitely see that happening to you. But there are other teams where I could see Vegas being favored against. A little tidbit that you can use, Elliot, when you're uh, talking about the Golden Knights, 460 games of playoff experience on this roster. So it's, uh, mm. no, it's, it's, it's strange because... They're, they've never played together in a playoff series, but lots of these players have, uh, 17 of the players on the roster have been in the playoffs. So, uh, for instance, they'll have more Well, playoff. I think what we've learned most of all, Gary, is don't underestimate. Great point. Great. Listen, because uh, uh, it's a Saturday and I know you have tons to do, we're going to let you go, but uh, we'll do this again and we'll keep you on for, for much longer because uh, I only got to like three of my questions. I have tons more for you. We'll, well do it another hit me. Time. I got a couple more. You want to hit me a couple more? No, no, we're going to let go? you listen. I'm gonna, we're going to let okay. you go. You, you drop the subtle, the, the passive aggressive. We've got a Paul, Paul Maurice interview coming up in a little while, so uh, I'm letting you go, <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> Yeah, no worries. Thanks very much, Gary. Speak to you soon. It's terrible to insult your guests as you're saying goodbye to them, but uh, we're pals. So uh, talk to you <laughs> later, Elliot. Thanks very much. Bye, man. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. We thank Elliot Friedman for joining us, as always, on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Time, finally, for our final segment, Raise or Fold, and getting down to the final days of the NHL's regular season. So we thought we'd take a look at a couple of teams we have some ties to, but, you know, where they stick in the in the grand scheme of things here sheriff so we'll start off with you start off in the east razor fold that the boston bruins who as we sit right now have just gone by the tampa bay lightning for the number one spot in the eastern conference are they the best team in the east razor fold i got a raise on that i really like the way they've played they were able to beat tampa jump ahead first team to do that in five months as tampa's reigned you know premier in the east uh they, they've got a real good balance. I like the Rick Nash move. Uh, you know, they're healthy. Bergeron back. Marshawn Pasternak, arguably one of the top lines in the NHL. Uh, they're strong down the middle. They've got a ton of speed. Their youth has been dynamic. That uh, They've young, added Donato to their lineup, and he's become another weapon for them. Jake DeBrusque. Um, I think as we're st- talking now, the last I saw, they were hammering the Florida Panthers. This yep. Bruins team and five one final took yep. a rask is, you know, back on his game. Hadobin's been a solid. They're just they're more complete to me than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Lightning's a very good. I you know they're both good. But I, I raise on the Bruins. I just like their style. Bruce Cassidy's really got them playing. Not only that old school solid defensively, but they can attack. Their pressure. They're relentless. They're quick. Lawman, Razor Fold on the B is the top team in the East. Well, just to be different, uh, and there is something about the Toronto Maple Leafs that I find interesting at this point in time. I don't think they could beat the Bruins or the Lightning in a seven-game series. Sheriff thinks you've had a couple of drinks. So I'm not going to pick them. (laughs) Did you just come from the bar? (laughs) The Toronto Maple Leafs. I didn't pick. Did you hear what I said? I'm not going to pick them. Have you seen their defense? I'm not going to pick them. Gary, as you've pointed out many times, this is raise or fold, not pick something out of the air. Raise or fold. Good point, Dan. I like like to. I'm bluffing. You're bluffing? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to fold. I'm going to re- I'm going to fold because I like Tampa. The combination of Tampa and Toronto, I think there's something there that one of those teams is going to knock the Bruins off. Okay, I'm folding on the Bruins being the best in the East, and I know that Tampa Bay has again fallen behind the Bruins. They've been trading a top spot in the Eastern Conference here in the last few days, but when the Lightning had been number one in the league for so long, 
to me, there's a natural dip in intensity. We've seen it here with the Knights. Exactly. Vasilevsky has played a ton, and people oh, no, he's tired. He shouldn't be playing that much. I'll tell you something, and having known that organization from a minor league standpoint the last five years, to see the makeup of that organization and John Cooper and how he pushes the right buttons at the right time, Kucherov has been calmed down recently, but just as quickly, he can get fired right back up. So I think as great as Boston has been, I still look at Tampa Bay number one. So I fold on the Bruins best in the East. Yeah, I mean, I'll raise on them just, I mean, obviously I have some bias towards them. Uh, no kidding, Dave. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And we all do. Yep. But uh, yeah, I'm not alone at this table. Um, <laughs> but I, I think some of the reasons Shane said, but also their ability here, you know, to implement Ryan Donato, Jake Bruss had a good year, Dan Heinen's had a pretty good year for them as a, as a young guy. But to get by here recently, and I know he's back in the lineup, but Patrice Bergeron missed a stretch with a broken foot. McAvoy and Chara were out, their top defense pair. Um, their ability to win games without some of those players, I think it's been pretty impressive. So you get all them back in the mix. Rick Nash had been banged up here recently as well. Nick Holden's been a pretty good addition on their blue line. Um, I raise on, on the Bs here late in the season as they, as they get everybody healthy again. So we'll raise their fold in the West now. Knights. Oh, the Jets of Winnipeg, the best team out West. Boy, that's a good one. I'm going to fold just because I think the Nashville Predators are the best team. I think the Winnipeg Jets are the most talented team. So because the question says best, I'm going to say it's the Predators. So I fold on it, but I do believe the Winnipeg Jets are, are, are definitely the most talented team. Boy, it's a coin toss for me with, with both those ones. But uh, Nashville's, you know, proved they sit atop the standings. Uh, I'm with them. Well, man, Jets. Yeah, I'll, I'll fold. If if the Jets had had Pecorine and his experience in goal rather than Connor Hellebuck and his lack of experience in goal, I'd go with the Jets because they are crazy, sick, out of this world, talented. And uh, uh, this may, you know, they say you may you have to lose before you win. This may be that year for them, but don't sleep on them. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were in the Stanley Cup. That would not be, that wouldn't be a surprise or a shock at all. You took the words out of my mouth, Gary. And you guys, uh, Shane and, and Gary, know the, the, that organization as well as anybody. I'm with you. I, I would not be surprised at all if they're in the finals. I, I wouldn't, you know, if you woke me up in a couple of months and say they won it all, wouldn't surprise me. But yeah. uh, I, I still think at this point, I'd say Nashville's the best. Yeah, I'd make it four for four. I'd fold on them just because I think, you know, if you look at what Nashville and, and to Gary's point a little bit, sometimes you have to lose before you can win. Nashville was real close to winning last year and fell short. You can make an argument they fell short because they had, you know, uh, a lot of key guys. Ryan Johansson at the top of the list that didn't play at all in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, and I know once you get that far, everybody's banged up. But they had some key people out of their lineup. So, yeah. And I hey, look, they just went through, what was it, uh, 14 or 15 games in a row with points. They put together a great run. There was a, It wasn't that long ago. The Golden Knights were the number one team in the West. Right. You know, it's easy to forget that now because of this run that Nashville's been on. So, yeah, I fold, too, I think, uh, on the Jets, I, but would not be surprised. And what about that matchup if Nashville ended up playing, you know, in the second Winnipeg round. in the second round, the and you're going to get round. a real good team right. that could be out in round and number two. so you're two. thinking about the Knights, potentially, if Vegas were to somehow get right. through two rounds, a team that you'd face in the conference finals would be pretty banged up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, that's a quick razor fold for this uh, this week's podcast. All right, finally, final segment here, Dan, before we um, usually tell us what we screwed up, and it's quite a bit, um, so I'll be disappointed a if A couple of other things. A... Well, uh, first off, uh, you started the show by not only uh, throwing out accurate information, but also correcting me. I said 2.7 seconds left when Theodore scored the goal. You're right, 2.3. That's wrong. You were wrong. Yeah, it, right. you know, number 27, but at 2.3 seconds left. So nice job. Uh, so you jumped the gun there, fact-checking me. So nicely done. Just wanted to throw in a couple of numbers. Uh, we talked about McNabb earlier. Uh, we talked about the plus 25, but also uh, his 215 hits and his 167 block shots, not to mention uh, 29 takeaways. That, those are career highs. I mean, he is just all over the place. Uh, it sometimes goes under the radar, but there you go. One more fun fact, Jonathan Marchessault on a seven-game scoring streak. He had done that once earlier this year. He had 11 points in that seven-game spin, but the Knights got really hot in December. He's on a seven-game scoring streak now with 10 points over the last seven. We'll try for a new season high, career high, if he can extend it against the Sharks. 
And uh, by the way, you're the number one star, Dave. Oh, here I am. Not only because you won the quiz, not only that, but also because this is four games in four days. I have it dumb tired. Like, there's got to be an NHLPA rule against that. It's got to be against the rules. Yeah. He didn't even take part in the guest interview. How can he be the first star? He took a period off, and you're making him the first star. Four games in four days. As a play by play (laughs) guy who's done three games in three days in the minors, four and four is not easy. I'm very tired. So nice job, Dave Gosher. Thank you, Dan. I I knew I liked you the best, as I've said before. All right, guys. So, you know, I was going to say it feels like it's always. The climate here is unbelievable, so you, it's usually playoff weather and colder weather climates you get into this weather, but it's playoff weather, it seems, here most of the year. But great, turn, interesting turnout here on uh, Fremont Street, to say the least. But um, Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave, podcast, another podcast in the books. Tune in on iTunes, search, subscribe, all that good stuff. Golden Knights on the verge of clinching the Pacific Division title, but Stanley Cup playoffs right around the corner. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.